The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. It's that time on a Sunday morning where we say hi to Rob Kay. How are you doing, Rob? I'm very well, Howard. Yourself? I'm very well, thank you very much. Good. So let's find out what's happening with Blevins Franks this week. And we've been turning our tax spotlight on French succession tax, as many of our listeners still have UK assets. We should also consider UK inheritance tax. Eventually, we all die. So end-of-life taxes impact everyone. It's therefore important to understand how we will be impacted because dying is always an emotive and sensitive issue for the family and friends we leave behind. However, before we discuss this cheery subject of taxes and dying, what caught your eye in the news this past week? Well, I would like, like last week, one story obviously dominated this week's news. And, and by pure fluke, I, I found myself right in the middle of it and experiencing what I'm sure I'll go, will go down as an important point in history. As you know, Howard, I recorded last week's broadcast remotely from London. My wife and I had travelled back to London to deliver our two boys to, to university. Well, back for one and the first year for the other. Following our broadcast, we ventured out to see what we could see and soak up some of the atmosphere. And I have to tell you, I have never seen London so busy. The crowds were enormous. And these were not just people queuing to see the Queen. They, they just seemed to want to be there and be part of history. The events of the past two weeks have certainly been a baptism of fire for the UK's new Prime Minister, Liz Trust. She meets the Queen on a Tuesday, then less than 72 hours later, she's meeting the new King. She's then thrown centre stage into all the ceremonies and events, and in the process meets some of the world's, or probably most of the world's leaders, before she's even been in the job for two weeks. Um, it's a bit like being able to do probably all your Christmas shopping in one hit, I suppose. Miss Truss is clearly not work shy, because on Wednesday, following the funeral on Monday, she was then in New York addressing the United Nations General Assembly for her first time. The main focus of the Prime Minister's speech followed Russian President Putin's televised address to the Russian people when he made a clear threat to use nuclear weapons. Truss said the world is witnessing a decisive moment in the history of freedom, and that 2022 was the story of freedom fighting back. Ms. Truss said that uh, Moscow's invasion of Ukraine had been a catastrophic failure and condemned the Russian president for using barbarous tactics, as she described them. Truss's speech followed a speech by President Biden when he warned the Russian president that nuclear war cannot be won and must never be fought. Biden forcibly condemning Putin's overt, reckless and irresponsible nuclear threats and he issued a stark warning to the Russian leader that he had shamelessly violated the core tenets of the United Nations Charter. In New York, Ms Trust held her first official meeting as UK Prime Minister with Joe Biden. Biden told her, you're our closest ally in the world. But unfortunately, the UK government had to concede there is virtually no chance of getting an agreement on an early bilateral trade deal with the US, who are actually Britain's biggest trading partner, despite it being coveted by Brexit supporters as the one major potential benefit of leaving the EU. The priority, now we are told, is joining the Trans-Pacific Trading Partnership of 11 countries, including Australia, Canada and Singapore, as well as striking deals with the Gulf states and India. Now, there should be a lot of new financial information to keep us on our toes over the next few weeks. The, the UK has just announced their mini-budget, Howard, which we will study and report back on. Then we are imminently expecting the 2023 French budget to be announced this coming week. So, lots to get our teeth into. OK, we'll look forward to that. Better to be busy, I guess. Absolutely. 
Well, I apologise if this sounds a little crass, but since we're talking about the end-of-life taxes, will the Queen pay them? <laughs> yeah, it's a very to- topical subject at the moment, I suppose. The, the, the total value of the properties owned by the Crown Estates was actually estimated back in June in the accounts at £15.6 billion. Pounds. Now, that makes the Queen one of the richest people in the world. However, any property or land she owned as the sovereign, such as Buckingham Palace or Windsor Castle, are actually exempt from inheritance tax because they're considered as heritage assets for the benefit of the nation. The Queen's personal wealth is estimated to be worth around £420 million, and it includes her privately owned properties such as Sandringham and Balmoral Castle and her art collection and jewels. Now, back in the early 90s, the then Prime Minister, John Major, struck a deal with HMRC to protect the royal family's assets from being reduced over generations. On the basis, the royal family are not able to freely work or trade, so they can't technically grow their estates as we can. The rules are the estate must be left to the next in line to the throne, and it's then exempt from inheritance tax. Any gifts the Queen may have left to others will be subject to inheritance tax in the usual way, just like the rest of us. This arrangement was first used back in 2002 when the Queen Mother died. She left her £50 million sorry, estate, apparently including a Fabergé egg collection, to the Queen, and the Queen was not liable to around £20 million in inheritance tax. In terms of other taxes, since the early 90s, when there was a public uh, outcry or pressure um, over the cost of the monarchy, the Queen did start to pay income tax, and that's a position King Charles has already confirmed he will continue to emulate following his mother's death. So, Rob, can you explain the basics of French succession law? Yeah, if you're a French resident, French succession law dictates how your worldwide assets must be distributed on your death. For non-residents, it only applies to French real estate. There are major differences between UK succession law and the French succession laws. We need, to, uh, we need to be aware or, or they can easily catch us out. Assets do not automatically pass in accordance with your will unless your will matches French succession law, which for most British nationals, it really does. Children are known as what's, uh, what's described as protected heirs and they will potentially inherit up to 75% of their deceased parents' estate. In the absence of a will, a surviving spouse is only entitled to 25% of the ownership or 100% of the income from the deceased's assets. The spouse is only a protected heir when there are no children. There are always ways to circumvent the laws, but you must be really careful to ensure you achieve the results you're looking for. A perfect example of this is since August 2015, you can opt for the law of your nationality to apply instead of the French rules. However, it's very important you remember, French succession law will still apply to those assets. In this case, the law chosen in the deceased person's will will apply to all their assets, even French assets. The law that is chosen will apply even if it doesn't respect the protected uh, rules. Now, due to a recent change in the law, that means that even an individual who's used English wills will have disinherited their children, but those children would have the right to challenge the will in the French courts and override those the, the, the will because they will elect to move back to the French rules because of the French-situated assets. 
You've mentioned an allowance of €100,000 for children, but are there other allowances? I beg your pardon, I've jumped a, I've jumped a uh, question. You're off. Is French succession tax and UK inheritance tax the same? Well, French succession tax is the equivalent of the UK's inheritance tax. French succession tax is a tax on gifts and inheritances. But there are some major differences. Now, from a French perspective, no tax is due when inheritances pass between spouses or pax partners, which is just the same as, as, as in the UK. Unless the inheritance is passing from a UK domicile deceased to a non-UK domicile survivor. In the UK... Spouse-to-spouse gifts are free from tax, but in France, tax is payable on gifts between spouses and PAX partners after an allowance of just €80,000. This is frequently an important consideration when planning a move to France, and it needs to be done before you arrive. In France, each child of the deceased can receive up to €100,000 tax-free before tax is payable. Other allowances can apply to those more distant in the bloodline. In the UK, it's the estate of the, the, the deceased that enjoys the allowance. The first £325,000 is tax-free, regardless of who the assets are to pass to. And since the 6th of September 2017, an additional main home exemption can apply, which can take the nil rate threshold up to half a million pounds. In the UK, you can give away assets, and if you survive seven years, there will be no UK inheritance tax to pay when you do die this is called a pet a potentially exempt transfer and there is no limit on the value of the gift now in france the same basic allowances apply to lifetime gifts and they are renewable every 15 years Eighty thousand, as i said before to a spouse or pax partner and a hundred thousand for each child gifts up to the allowances within any 15 year period are then tax-free You've mentioned an allowance of €100,000 for children, but are there other allowances? Yeah, we, we mentioned the gifts allowance between spouses and PAX partners and the 100000 per child. But you can also give your kids a tax-free cash gift of €31,895. You can leave your siblings, that's brothers and sisters, €15,932, and nephews and nieces, near about 8000 8, Anyone else can just receive about €1,600 before the tax is due. Now, these allowances all renew, as I said a few minutes ago, after 15 years for lifetime gifts. So gifts up to the available allowance can therefore be made tax-free every 15 years. A child can currently receive €200,000, €100,000 from each parent, tax-free every 15 years. A gift made more than 15 years before the death falls out of account if it was declared at the time. But if made less than 15 years before death, then it is accumulated with any inheritance from the deceased. If it was a manual gift for which tax was not paid at the time, it also has to be accumulated with any inheritance from the same person, regardless of the length of the time that has passed. The living representatives of a deceased descendant share that descendant's allowance between them in addition to their own allowances. So, for example... Two children whose parent has, parent has died will share the deceased parent's entitlement to the 100000 allowance on the inheritance from each of the deceased parents, their grandparents. This is in addition to their own small allowance of €1,600 for, for each of them, for the inheritance from their grandparents. So on, on the inheritance from each grandparents, 
they will each receive €51,594,000, which equates to half the 100000 their parents were entitled to, plus their respective share of 1594 Quite complicated, Howard, so we need to de- dig into it deeper if people want to understand their, their own personal situation. Well, the concept of a cash gift seems a bit dated these days. Can you tell us how it works? Yeah, the, the cash gift allowance, as the name suggests, is, is a specific exemption for outright cash gifts of up to €31,865 per donee, where the gift is made to a child, grandchild, or if there's no direct, direct line descendant, to a niece or a nephew, which means a child of a sibling of the donor, not a child of the sibling of the donor's spouse. This exemption is extended to gifts to great nieces and great nephews, where the donor has no direct line descendants and their niece or nephew have died. Importantly, the exemption is only available where the donor is under 80 and the donee is an adult. The gift should be declared and registered by the donee at their local tax office within one month. The exception can also be accumulated with other allowances. The kids one hundred thousand euros, the grandpa the, the grandchild's general thirty one thousand eight hundred and sixty five gift allowance, or the seven thousand nine hundred and sixty seven euros for nieces and nephews. As before, once again it renews every fifteen years. The allowable amount increases in line with inflation each year, so small annual increments are possible even when the full allowance has previously been used up. The benefit of the exemption will only be granted if the gift is registered within a month. It can be registered with a notary who will charge 0.59% of the gift plus um, an administration fee of €236. Alternatively, you can register the gift yourself at your local tax office with no charge. In the UK, once your estate exceeds the nil rate threshold, tax is paid at a flat 40%. Is the French system the same? (laughs) <laughs> no, you you wouldn't be su- surprised to hear it's a little more complicated than that. The the tax rates increase based on a progressive scaled system. For children, the first 16,000 above the 100,000 nil rate band is taxed at 5, 10, quickly 15%. Then the next big chunk, then the next half a million is taxed at 20%, and that's followed by rates of 30 and 40% until your inheritance exceeds 1.8 million when a succession tax rate of 45% is then payable. It's a little simpler if the inheritance is received by a brother or sister. There are just two rates, 35% on receipts below 24,430 and 45% above that amount. Other relatives to what I described as the fourth degree, such as nieces, nephews, uncles, aunts, cousins, they pay a flat rate of 55%, while more remote relatives and non-relatives compare a whacking 60%. You've obviously had a lot of experience in this area. Do you find people frequently get things wrong? Uh, look, it's a very complicated area, and yet frequently people do get it wrong because they don't know to ask the right question. Just earlier this week, I spoke to a gentleman who contacted us to discuss moving to France. He and his wife are, are imminently about to complete the sale of the UK property, and prior to our conversation, they were under the impression they could solve all their French succession challenges by simply electing to use the European Certificate of Succession and adopt UK rules. Unfortunately, their challenges won't be resolved by simply making a Brussels 4 election. 
They both have children from previous relationships, and one of the main reasons for moving to France is to move away from all the stress the complicated family situation is creating in the UK. Now, both sets of children don't get on, so I think it's fairly safe to say if one of them dies while they're French resident, there could easily be a family at war, especially after the French authorities change the rules regarding French assets for people who have adopted the European Certificate of Succession, which allows children to claim what the French succession rules state is their entitlement. If you had to give the listeners one piece of advice about succession tax, what would it be? <laughs> That's a big question, Howard. Um, I mean, look, if I, if I go back to the gentleman I just mentioned, during our conversation, it was very clear he had done an awful lot of research and he'd certainly collated lots of information. But as he admitted towards the end of our conversation, the most important aspect of building a plan is being able to piece all that random information together. This is where I believe you need professional assistance. Employing a trusted advisor usually pays for itself. Levins Franks identified this requirement nearly 50 years ago. And in reality, we're still doing what we did back then, back in the 1970s, helping expatriates settle in France, Spain and Portugal with their personal affairs arranged appropriate for that country. We also frequently help those who have moved without any prior planning or done a DIY job. And not forgetting, we also help a lot of those people who are taking the journey back to their home country. Now, maybe more than any time in the past 50 years, I believe people need professional expert advice from their trusted advisor. Brexit, inflation, the cost of living, increases in stale taxes and a freeze on allowances and bans are just a few reasons why I believe you need that professional advice. So, as it's never too uh, too late to, to plan, if you'd like to discuss your succession situation with one of our local Blevins Franks partners to understand what you can do to avoid or minimise taxes, simply contact our Valbon office. The telephone number there is 0493-001780. That's 0493-001780. And if our Monaco office is more convenient for you, you can arrange a call or a meeting with one of our Monaco-based partners by telephoning Monaco 97775574. That's 97775574. And as usual, anyone can contact us or find out what's going on at Blevins Franks by visiting our website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. Many thanks, Rob. We'll talk again next Sunday. Look forward to it, Harry. Have a great week. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or riviera at blevinsfranks.com. Is your wealth management on track to meet your objectives and provide long-term financial security? Blevins Franks has 45 years' experience managing our clients' capital. We provide a range of integrated financial services to give you peace of mind about your future. Our investment recommendations are personalised for you and designed to be tax-efficient and meet your estate planning wishes. Contact Blevins Franks on 0493001780 or visit blevinsfranks.com.